The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Providing insight and resources for your spiritual journey. Unity Online Radio. Are you ready to move from your good life to one that is amazing? Then you've tuned in to the right program. For the next hour, listen in as Reverend Temple Hayes, Senior Minister of First Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, shares with you the tools you can use to transform your life. She will guide you on a journey to create a life that is amazing. Now, here's your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. Welcome, everyone, and the very fact that you are here today listening to the show indicates that you are accepting an amazing life for yourself as we know so much of life is the decision that we will make and the choice that we make about our divine greatness. Speaking of which, we have a great guest with us today, John Maxwell Taylor, who is one that really knows about the power of I am. It is the name of his book. It how he it's how he lives and moves and has his experiences. John, welcome to our show today. I'm so glad that you're here. Me too. I'm so glad to be with you this way and I've been looking forward to it and uh, we're going to have a fantastic time together. Well, you and I have um spent time in conversation in the past and and we both are just so committed to this metaphysical life that we're in, that in every moment there's a miracle that's right in front of us. And um, with the book that you have, The Power of I Am, um, tell us a little bit about your path, your journey, and how you started making these uh, incredible discoveries for yourself. Right. Well, I, I was um, I, obviously from the accent. You can uh, tell I'm from the UK originally. I'm half Welsh, half English, and I always had a mystical streak as a child. Um, very, very clear. I can remember, uh, have very early memories of uh, being a baby, and I can remember experiencing oneness with everything. I didn't know that the trees in the garden weren't me. And then, you know, you, you go to, you have that sense of oneness. I think all children have this unless they're being traumatized early. And, and I, then I, you go to school and you begin to realize, oh, that's other than me, that's separate, and this, that, and the other. And, and as you progress trying to find uh, an identity in the complex world that surrounds us, the three-dimensional world of, uh, shall I say, material consciousness that most people live in, it's hard to maintain that thread that one wishes to follow to to the center of oneself all the time. So, you know, I look for different ways to do that. I was very taken with the Arthurian legends and the quest for the Holy Grail as a, as a boy and so forth, and also very taken by the divine feminine. I knew there was a great mystery there that we needed to approach something that had been suppressed in the Western world. Um, so I couldn't formulate those thoughts the way I am to you today because hindsight gives you much more uh, perspicacity about that kind of things but nevertheless I can see that I was following a thread and it led me eventually I was in Los Angeles in 1967 and I went to a lecture given by the um, people who continue the work of Paramahansa Yogananda the the writer of uh, autobiography of a yogi and founder of self-realization fellowship and in the course of the lecture the whole room just disappeared in light I couldn't see anybody except this light that was emanating from these chrysanthemums that were in the center of the stage beneath the lectern where the speaker was uh, talking. And every time this speaker said the word God or truth or bliss or beauty, this light shot out 
in all directions, uh, as, as if it was intoxicated with the reality of its own being. And this light wanted to get into my body. I could feel that. It, was, it, was, it could get into the left half, but the right half seemed to be blocked up. And um, when the speaker left the platform, the, the light disappeared. So he was greeting people afterwards, and I went up to him and I said, you know, excuse me, but, but while you were speaking, I just saw this light. Everything just disappeared. The room was filled with this light. I could hardly see anything else. I said, what was that? And he says, oh, he says, sometimes God just gives us a little come on. Mm. <laughs> so that was, that was the first, that was the, the major turning point for me. I realized then, prior to that, for weeks I'd been, you know, I was living in Hollywood, you know, which is a great place to have the scales fall from your eyes. It's <laughs> a lot of people lock, locked into false personality, chasing fame and fortune and so forth, and often in a rather desperate way. And that as I got accustomed to seeing that, I thought, well, you know, if the, is this all there is? You know, is there a God or isn't there? Because if, if not, you know, it's all pointless and everything. So I became obsessed. And that's what led me to that experience there. And from that point on, I became a deep meditator. And I still continue to this day to use my Yogananda meditation techniques, um, particularly Kriya Yoga every morning and every evening. And uh, that, I think, has been responsible for opening up cellular territory in my brain that has allowed me to be extremely creative, you know, as, as a, a, a writer, an actor, a playwright, an author of, of books and so forth, and a musician, and a, which continues. I was a rock star at the age of 19 in France. And um, so I continue to create, I'm um, doing a new album at the moment. All of this is because the, when you do these kind of techniques and, and if you follow your highest principles, what happens is your body-mind organism, as Emily and I call it, that's my wife, this body-mind organism starts to come into alignment with the pattern that you brought into this world that you were meant to fully express and a lot of people don't get to do that because they, or they try so hard to, to be what they think other people want them to be. They lose their own pattern. And I think the spiritual life brings you that back to that place where you can live and manifest that all the time. It, it truly is what we're, you know, in, in Scripture it says to everything there is a season and a time and a purpose under the heaven. And yes. that um, brings such depth when we think about individuals that are willing to move from a good to amazing life or to accept that the life has potential for amazing. Uh, we are talking about there's so many seasons of life. If you just don't get into paradigms and boxes and, and wanting to manipulate and control and right. you know force upon yourself to keep things a certain way, and not only is that what you're talking about, but it's what you are setting an example with in the ability to oh now I'm doing this you know yes. <laughs> now I'm writing yes. music again now I did that when I was 19 and now I'm a little further along than 19 and I find that I'm pulling up this chapter and doing it again I've been doing the same thing I used to write songs of when I was a teenager uh, more so because I I was looking for a way to resonate or to identify with kind of metaphysical teachings or positive music you know and I grew up with the Osmonds and Bobby Sherman and can't live without you and I'm never going to be okay if I don't have you and you know all that and um you know that that's fine but it it doesn't really teach empowerment let's put it that way no it doesn't you know it doesn't teach uh how can I support you as an individual and you being more of an individual a greater individual and, and more empowered it teaches more codependency and needy but um, I, too, have picked that up again of now writing music and writing songs. And, um, and it doesn't matter if it even goes anywhere or not. It's just this inner fulfillment of being yes, able I to think, do it, right? I think that's the, the great overlooked thing about the creative impulse that we all have. As soon as the creative urge shows up for a lot of people, they start to think, well, what can, be, what can I do with this? You know, can I make money or get, get noticed and this, that, and the other? But to en en engage oneself in the creative act for its own sake without any attachment to outcome, which is never under our direct control anyway, then it frees up your creative um, apparatus to manifest 
in a way that's very true to the core of your being. And I'm sure that uh, knowing you, uh, Temple, that your songs are very much a reflection of, of who you are, what you think, what you believe right now. So you're not, it's not the old I love you, moon and June type of thing that the Osmonds were doing. As you say, codependent love and that kind, kind of thing. I'm sure it's uh, very metaphysically um, powerful. Well, you're so right, though, and thank you for that. I, I appreciate that. But you're so right because um, I find that it's so true for a lot of people. They get so hooked up into the money, you know, um, like you. I I know that money is a necessary energy in which we exist in the world. But there are many layers that I have allowed to unfold in my life. Some are significant to that it's necessary for a certain amount of money to be exchanged because there's a value that people place upon that. But there are other things that, as far as I'm concerned, uh, no one could ever pay enough money for those things, so I would never bother to charge them. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes, I do, and, absolutely. And yeah. it, I think that, that people can consider uh, when they are thinking about having an amazing life to be yes. broad, that there are some things you do just to be and serve and their their gifts and their their ways of being, and you leave the entrepreneur stuff out of it because when you start trying mm-hmm. to package it like you're saying and make it about the doing and make it about all that, um, it bec- it takes away from the joy of it. Right, right. I, I think you know one of the principles that I learned early on was um, to be detached about the fruits of my actions. I know that's a pretty standard spiritual you know, a phrase that most of us know. But to actually live that way, I'm really not attached to the outcome of anything. All I'm interested in is engaging with the task at hand, whatever it is. And uh, at the moment, it's doing music and so forth. Um, I'm going on, on a little tour in a couple of weeks. It will be fully engaged with that. When I'm with Emily, I'm fully engaged with that. Whatever it is, not looking for the outcome. Because if you do, you limit what that outcome can be. If you if you have expectations, you you you're putting a straitjacket on possibility. So I, you, I, the one reason that I do so many different things, I think, is my Gemini nature. I'm a Gemini, mm-hmm. and someone said uh, the, the typical Gemini, he jumped on his horse and rode off in all directions. You know, so um, someone someone said to Peter Ustinov, who was you know a very multifaceted person, you know, how can you do all these things? Write plays, speak seventeen languages, be an actor, be an author, and so forth. He says, well, one activity refreshes me for the next. And I think people, if they're not careful, they get locked into. I, I've got to do one thing. You know, I would go mad if I had to do one thing. I, I love to diversify and so forth. And in this age of sort of multifaceted entrepreneurship, one can have streams of income coming in from several different sources. It's not like the old days where you had to ho- um, hoe that row for the rest of your life. So, you know, the, the part of the invitation about to an amazing life is to just have a multiplicity of options, not to the point where you get scattered, but where you can express the different aspects of yourself, the emotional side, the mental side, the physical side, and so forth, and work it all into a um, a pattern that's beneficial, not just for you, but for the people around you, and so forth. So it's, I have great expectation about feeling joyful every day, but I don't have expectations about outcome. I might prefer this to happen or that to happen, but I don't burden the future possibility with grasping. And if this doesn't work out, everything's undone. You know, none of that, completely none of that. It's an approach of no striving to life. How did you, um, become, how did you come into that uh, awareness? Was it like a, an epiphany or uh, just well, a it connection? Was, it, yeah, yes. Yes, I, th- I think, you know, an epiphany is usually the result of an accumulation of experiences that suddenly raise you up to a point where you can see over the wall that was blocking the view. You can see what the future is going to be. So, but, you know, I had this play that I wrote about Carl Gustav Jung, the great Swiss psychologist, and um, I traveled with that play for five years, and um, I gave over 250 performances at various places, uh, around the country and it, you know it doesn't make me a psychologist but you can't walk in those shoes without having it rub off on you and um, you know I, 
you, you never know what kind of audience you're going to get. Sometimes they'll be intellectually based, sometimes they want emotionally moving, uh, sometimes they want a kind of bit of a knockabout comedy approach. So confronting these different audiences, um, I, I learned to be very, very flexible and open and not, have, not have expect how they were going to be, just to go out there and deliver the goods. That's my definition of a professional in any field. They can deliver what they're supposed to, whether they're feeling um, you know, in the right place or not. But the minute they step up to the plate, it's all there. So I, I learned to do that. But at the same time, I didn't have expectations about how they were going to respond or whether you know, they, they were going to have full houses or this, that, and the other. And it was always a success. They always loved it. The audience was always won over. Um, you know, people were, were extremely moved. They, they thought it was amazing and this, that, and the other. And it always made money. You know, so I just learned to be in the, just be with it. You know, and that's, it, it's, it's the path of ease, really. I think, learn, you know, we all, we're all trained in the spiritual life to try to relax. So we try to relax our bodies with yoga and so forth. But we need to relax our emotional need to have things happen in our life that we feel um, fired up about, to, walk, to go forward with expectation of joy, just to have the experience and then let the results take care of themselves. It, this is just what came about through years of doing this, you know. I was playing 20 different characters every night. So it, 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 it taught me to be very, very flexible on my feet in front of people. Then, Temple, I took that principle and I transposed it to my everyday life so that my interaction with everyone that I meet has a sort of a kinetic charge. Somebody said in an interview recently that I saw that when she was talking to Carl Jung, sometimes he would look at you and his light would fall upon your face. And and I think that's a gift that we can give each other, it, we, we who adhere to the spiritual life, to look at people in such a way that the reality of our being flows through us and calls forth the response in them that is that substance of light, which is the substratum of all of us. And if we do this, you know, you're, you're not focusing so much on the, uh, the external incidental things and the outcomes and this, that, and the other. You're looking for what Jung called the numinous experience. Those moments where the material, seeming limitations of the material world give way before you and spirit is present. In any situation, it can be in the supermarket. It can be like when you and I were talking, when I visited with you recently. Those kind of moments where um, life is brought to a peak of intensity that's very sweet and very relaxed and very creative. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, I know you blog about these various things too, and I'd like to see more people participate and um receive the information that you give because I love your wisdom. I'm talking with John Maxwell Taylor and you can go on his website johnmaxwelltaylor.com and you can sign up to receive and be part of his blog and his e-blast and find out where he travels all over the country and and the world. I'm Temple Hayes and I'm so grateful for all of you listening. Please call your friends and get them to be online with us today. They can also listen to us on their cell phones and we're delighted that you are here and supporting Unity Online Radio, a voice for the awakening world. We'll be right back after break. As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach to the world, we count on the support of listeners like you. Please make your donation today. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. If you've ever wondered how a specific Bible verse might be interpreted metaphysically, then Interpret This is for you. In Interpret This, Unity Minister Rev. Ed Townley answers your questions about the Bible and how to apply its verses to your life with passion, depth, and spiritual insight. To submit a question or to enjoy any of his numerous metaphysical interpretations, visit unity.org and click on the Interpret This box.
What is the secret to happiness? Why do bad things happen to good people? What is our purpose in life? What must I do to bring healing into my life? Join Reverend Paul Hasselbeck every Tuesday for a metaphysical romp. Explore fundamental unity principles put into action through real-life scenarios from people like you. Call in with your questions and spiritual challenges, and let Paul take you on a journey of profound personal understanding and transformation. That's Metaphysical Romp with Reverend Paul Hasselbeck every Tuesday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for From Good to Amazing with Reverend Temple Hayes. If you have a question or comment about today's discussion, you can email us at amazing at unity.fm. Now, here's your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And thank you, everyone. And um, yes, it would be great to hear from you. Amazing at unity.fm. And we have many people that are gearing up to go on the cruise with us in November. You can also find that information out at our website, unitycampus.org or at unity.fm. We're with John Maxwell Taylor, and we are talking about uh, his walks of life and the various things he has done, uh, one is which he has written a profound book, The Power of I. Tell us a little bit about the background of the book and you know why you wrote yes, it. why I wrote it. Uh, well, one of the things that happens when we start to embark upon the spiritual life, even the cells of your body begin to change and vibrate in a, in a different way. And we become, as the consciousness expands, we become sen- more sensitive than ever to the beauty of life. But there, we're also um, often affected by the negative side of life, by the, um, the, the, the state of mind that people we work with may be in when they're not open and so forth, or people in our family who are um, shut down towards us sometimes because they don't, sync up with the ideas that are shaping our lives or in a more um, external way the sort of rude people that one runs into all the time the sort of these put downs that people do and the smart remarks and the comebacks and there's just the general friction of ordinary life for people who are not seeking the truth and yet we're forced um, by circumstance to interact with um, these people a large percent of the time so how how can we negotiate the real world without getting thrown off? Because one of the things that I do in my workshops is we, uh, we, we do some of that behavioral kinesiology muscle testing thing, and we're able to demonstrate that when somebody is just thinking a negative thought while they look at the test person, that person's uh, life energy will, will go down. They will test weak. So uh, it's, it's very easy to be affected by circumstances and the people that we run into and have to deal with without quite knowing what's going on. So we don't want to walk around in life holding up shields and barriers and always be on the defensive what we can do is build up a positive charge of life energy around us and then by knowing, for example, which eye to look in when you're talking to a person because one eye represents the essence of that person. It's what they were born with. It's what they will leave this world with. It's the real part of them. The other eye of the person is wired into their brain so it reflects their life experience, their sense of who they think they are, who they think you are, what is their life experience, what are their fears, hopes, and expectations. Also, there's the good stuff is in in that personality aspect, the the likable part of the person. Person, but as we all know, dealing with everybody, and if we observe ourselves uncritically, we can see that there's a somewhat of a flip-flop goes on in, in our mood changes and so forth. So we need to be able to deal with people in such a way that we don't get thrown off when we're confronted by vibrations that are inharmonious with our spiritual and psychological well-being. I used to call this process um, sociological Aikido. Uh, Aikido is a martial art uh, of a sort, but it's one that is um, 
you, it works by aligning yourself with the energy of the other person and reordering that personality, sorry, reordering that energy so that the, um, the outcome is positive for both parties involved. Uh, it's, very, very, it's very Obi-Wan Kenobi in a way. You know, you, you, uh, my, my approach is I don't want to combat and deal with uh, the friction of people face-to-face and the, in the sort of combative way that normally goes on. I would rather do it subtly, somewhat behind the scenes, with a look with a shift within myself because if you can hold the field of a positive charge of energy while someone's being potentially disruptive what happens is they will come out of it and their essence will connect with you with you, the reality of you and then you can start to discuss on a on a, uh, a much deeper level the founder of aikido uh, japanese said um, it's not that i don't get thrown off i recover so quickly you don't notice i was away so I developed all of these techniques so that I could um, empower myself constantly and not be affected by inharmonious vibrations around, around me. So to be open and at the same time protected is a wonderful thing, particularly when that protection is being done through the divine energy. And also, being in, aligned with this, it opens up your brain in such a way that very high intuition operates through you and you always find the perfect thing to say the perfect response at the right time it's like improvisational theater you know shakespeare said all the world's a stage it's not really a stage and all other people merely players we're actors in this sort of holographic movie theater that we're moving through day day by day moment by moment improvising dialogue with every person who comes into our field of experience so if we can align ourselves and stay aligned with the core of our reality, with the spirit, with the soul within, then we will always be saying the best thing for every situation. We will also know when to say to somebody who is being disruptive that this has got to stop in such a way that it doesn't crush them. Because very often when we feel threatened, we put out a force of energy that harms the other person. And if you, if you do that, you harm yourself at the same time. But this doesn't mean that we should be passive and we should be doormats and let people walk all over us. So there's a way to embody a spiritual authority that, that deals with the frictions of life and the difficulties that come up without compromising either ourselves or the other person. And this is what I wrote about in The Power of I Am because it is through invoking the I Am presence and flooding your personality structure and your psychological nature, your emotional nature with that while you deal people, there is a great power within you so that the expression of the person you are flows very easily. And you know this, Temple, because that's what happens on Sunday when you speak at church. When you get up there, you surrender and a higher power comes through and illuminates your body-mind organism and your personality lights up and you're saying exactly the perfect thing that you're supposed to say every Sunday. And, and, right? at, ti- and at times it, it can be shocking um, because I followed um, the... What I had heard about Ernest Holmes when he used to speak to thousands of people in California, and I heard one time someone say that rather than just showing up or coming in a side door or whatever, that he would stand and greet people um, as they were coming in. Or, you know, when they would be seated, he would go over there and say, Hi, I'm Ernest Holmes, and how are you right, doing? Right. Often on Sunday, you know, um, I'll go up to people and I'll go, if, if I've never seen them before, and they look at me, you know, and I'm going, Hi, how are you? And I go, Oh, I'm the greeter. <laughs> you know, at the time, they don't necessarily even know who I am. But I, I love to um, disconnect at that level. And I have found, and this is what he said, that the very nature of the handshake or the connection or the eye connection, that yeah. often um, it would mold his what he was going to say in a certain way uh, yeah. that he hadn't planned to do so because there was something about the experience of people's consciousness. And I yeah. found that, you know, from service to service, it may be um, the same kind of uh, idea that's going into what's to be said, but it always comes out so differently. Because of that, you know? Because of that, yes. Well, the handshake of anyone is very important because the vibration of that person's being, the atomic weight of who they are, who you are, passes through 
the hand into the other. If the person has a powerful spiritual vibration, it will invoke, draw out of the, the other person the corresponding state. This is why when I shake hands with anybody, I always look in their essence eye. Because immediately, that which is the same in both of us is connecting. And then the person will invariably, 95% of the time, they will smile, they will relax, they will be open. This pure seeing. When Emily met me for the first time, she's my sister, my wife, Emily, she said it was the first time in her life that she ever felt fully seen. And I think that is the greatest gift that we can give to someone is to look them, look at them and see the essence of their being and then focus on who they are on the personality level. And which one, so, uh, John, is the essence I? Well, if, I? if you're right-handed, right-handed, the essence I is always the left eye. Okay. It's over the heart. So as I would shake hands, I would look from my left eye to that person's left eye person I'm shaking with. Uh, if it's a left-handed person, it's reversed. So I would look from my left eye to their right eye. So you, you might say, well, how do I know if they're left-handed or right-handed? Well, it, you know, it's a largely, predominantly right-handed world. So I, I usually operate on the assumption that the person I'm meeting is right-handed. If I don't get the, the response of vibration and the essence connection from that, um, then I will look in the other eye just in case the left hand, invariably it will just come out immediately. But you get an but, overall sense of yeah. um, someone's essence just through looking at their eye and just being in tune and, and being present, of course. Yeah, yeah, yes, and you're not thinking about what you're going to say. What you're going to say it just comes out naturally from that. Mm-hmm. See, this is, comes back to the expectation thing, because if you go into your head looking for the thing to say, you won't find it. Or you, you may you find something, but it may not be the optimal thing that you could have said in that moment. So when, uh, when you connect with essence, first of all, essence to essence makes everything flow. And uh, so I've trained myself to do that. Um, if people are angry, for example, there's another thing. If someone's angry, if you look at the Christ consciousness point between the eyebrows, it will very often stop in mid-sentence. Mm. A guy recently, I was getting on the freeway to, to go to drive from Cleveland to Boston. And, um, as I, I, I'm approaching the, 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 where I'm going to turn left, a guy suddenly pulls in front of me and does a T. He pulls his car right in front of me to block me off. I must have you know, um, done something that, uh, you know, as I was approaching to cut him off or something. Anyway, he was mad. You know, I could see he was, this was a road rage guy. So I immediately <laughs> drove round him and went to the crown of the road to turn left. Next minute, he's pounding on the window. And I could see he was making a rude gesture at me with his hand. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't look at him immediately. I just gathered myself, dropped down and to connect with the I am. And then I just turned and I looked at him at the point between the eyebrows, the Christ Consciousness Center, and he ran away. So, oh, wow. That's very yeah. powerful. I know very on your website you give an example of how you uh, looked eye to eye with a with a cop, oh, and yeah. how that um, changed the experience of, of what could have happened with you. That I was thinking, I I really needed that process when I was in my twenties. That could have helped me a lot. Yeah, you know, me too. <laughs> me, me, me too. Temple. See, all, all of this, all of this developed out of the need that we spiritual people who are living the spiritual life need to deal with the real world as people see it. They don't know where you're coming from. My my definition of an egotist is he thinks he is who he thinks he is. Mm -hmm. So all he's got is his own paradigms, his pictures of you, his pictures of the world, what this situation is, and it can get very forceful, you see. So why not with a wave of the hand or with a look in the eye, you know, just defuse that kind of thing. Like Obi-Wan Kenobi said, you know, when they were being stopped by the stormtroopers in the original Star Wars movie, oh, these are not the ones you're looking for, and and off they went. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> why not let's use spiritual principles what are, we, what are we thinking of that we're trying to live this spiritual life and we're not using miraculous power in everyday situations it's like oh yeah I'm spiritual but when I go out in the world I'm going to play by their rules no way it's, it's, it's absolutely inimical to our, our highest good and our well-being we need to learn how to be spiritually masterful in everyday situations without anybody knowing what we're doing 
you don't come off as some holy Joe or self-righteous or any of that kind of thing. You're actually inviting people to come to a place where common, ordinary humanity can meet spiritual manifestation. And then the blended Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's one of the reasons that I wanted to do this show, because, you know, it, it's so crucial um, that with spirituality that we have tools, not rules. And we yeah. there's tools. And, yeah. you know... To go build a house without the right uh, tools mm-hmm. and with the blueprint and everything that you need, you don't just say, okay, just start throwing the house together. Right. But a lot of times, um, you know, people go, yeah, I'm, I'm spiritual, but their life doesn't work. You know, I'm metaphysical. Oh, la, la. But it's, yes. it doesn't have, there's no practical applications to how they do problem solving, to how they look at challenges in their lives and how they can deal with things every day from dying to someone dying that they love or something of a financial nature. And it it gives um, us as metaphysical people uh, a bad rap because it's like, you know, pie in the sky kind of stuff. Yes. Yes. Really, the practical- yes. Well, we, we we all have to deal with that. You know, when, when Emily uh, went through her, um, she, she was in the process of divorce when I met her, and the, the, one of the reasons for that was that she had become interested in leading the spiritual life, and her husband wasn't, and and uh, the children were a bit nonplussed, and there was a sort of a campaign on to make her feel foolish. And, uh, of course, that wasn't working. And, and I have to say that, you know, um, the, the, most of her relatives still feel that way, that Emily's gone off to la-la land. And she's the most grounded person. When you've met her, you know, she's just an amazing, grounded human being and a total embodiment of what a spiritual woman should be. But to them, you know, it's like, it's just a completely different paradigm. And uh, her, 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 uh, you know, one of the things was, oh, yes, now she, she married this guy and he's brainwashed her. <laughs> Because you know, so, there's, there's, there's two of us now, you know. I mean, when it's one, but now there's two of us together, right? So, anyway, her 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 um her brother phoned up the other day, and he's a great guy, but you know, he's he's just a guy, and he said, um, uh, he said, oh, he says, is, is is Emily floating around somewhere? I says, actually, she's working in the garden. You know, would you like to speak to her? He says, yes, please. I says, well, you won't have you won't have any problem. Well, I've already finished her daily brainwashing session. <laughs> 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 so you know that's a that's a subtle way of letting them know that you're on to them. Mm-hmm. Doesn't make them wrong. Doesn't make mm-hmm. them wrong, but it lets them know that you know what they think. You know, and in this way, it makes the improvisational theatre of human interaction very humorous. You know, and and it it makes it entertaining and takes the charge off it, and it doesn't make it all so serious. So what if people don't understand you? You know, can't we laugh at ourselves and so forth? But coming back to what you were saying, Temple, um, it's absolutely essential now that we've had so many spiritual ideas, so many concepts, so many great books. We've got all this great information. If we don't translate what we've learned with our heads and it becomes part of the cellular content of our being, right down to the soles of our feet, so that we can deal with any situation, be it, be it financial, as you said, with a bereavement in the family, uh, whatever illness, whatever comes up, it all, if we're not dealing with it from a spiritual point of view, fully married to the necessary um, steps on the material plane to make things work, then we're missing the boat somehow. So it's like a marriage of the human and the spiritual working together to make life as you you, you say amazing because it is when you use the miraculous power that is the root of our being and is the root of everything. It's, it's almost like Moses crossing the Red Sea. You know what that represents to me is the duality of life parts to let you walk across to the other side. Oh, that's a beautiful uh, comparison, and, and you're so right. Well, I'm Temple Hayes, and I'm with John Maxwell Taylor today on From Good to Amazing and looking at the power of I Am. So we'll be right back after break. Thank you for joining us. Affirm the good that flows within you and stretch to reach your divine potential with daily inspirational messages from Daily Word. The present moment is the point of action in my life, my opportunity to create my bliss. 
There is no need to ruminate on the past or daydream about the future when I can do something constructive with the now. Taking advantage of the present moment is like waking up in the morning. I'm no longer in a dreamlike state. Instead, I'm fully awake and aware of what is before me. Why postpone the life I desire? Right here and right now, I can begin creating it. That may mean making a business plan, enrolling in school, or moving a relationship to the next level. Whatever my dreams, I can advance them in the present moment. Guided and supported by God, I live my best life now. Daily Word magazine is now available in a digital format. A one-year subscription to Daily Word Digital Magazine with audio is only $9.95. That's less than three cents a day to start your day right, centered and connected to the truth within you. To learn how you can subscribe to this online interactive magazine, go to www.dailyword.com. Spirit of Recovery is the place where spirituality and recovery meet where we support your spiritual growth. Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., interviews down-to-earth guests who share with you how they keep going and growing in recovery. Spirit of Recovery is the place to get practical tips and to join in lively discussions on topics that matter to recovering people. This program welcomes everyone who wants to know more about recovery. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Pacific on Spirit of Recovery where we talk about what keeps you growing, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. We now return to From Good to Amazing with your host, Rev. Temple Hayes. Welcome, everyone, and thank you again for supporting our radio show, From Good to Amazing, on all your social network, uh, your Facebook, your Twitter. Really appreciate you sharing this great message with with so many people because uh, everyone can benefit and learning uh, different concepts and tools which can bring them from a good to an amazing life. And today we have John Maxwell Taylor. You can go to his website, johnmaxwelltaylor.com, and you can find out about his workshops, different programs that he offers. You can sign up for his newsletter. Um, He has done so uh, much in the field of um, impacting people's lives and the power of I am. John, tell us what is when you talk about the power of I am? Where does that come from? Well, I am that I am is the name of God given to the Western world through our our Judeo-Christian tradition. And there was a great yogi in India called Ramana Maharshi. He was someone who from childhood had this sort of unbroken God consciousness. And um, it was cute. I saw a video uh, about him and uh, the children from the local village would just come and sit and stare at him all day. He was quite an amazing being. And he uh, he said, of all the names, so this was an Indian, right? Of all the names for God that he's ever encountered, you know, Rama, uh, Shiva, da da da, the one that came closest in his experience to of God was "I am that I am," found in the Judeo-Christian tradition, because in a way that phrase is like a Zen koan. A Zen koan is is designed to confuse your logical mind. If you went to a Buddhist retreat for the weekend and they said, go and stare at that white wall and ask yourself all day long, over and over again, does the dog have a Buddha nature? Does the dog have a Buddha nature? Well, there's no answer to that. You see, it's a nonsensical sort of phrase. You know, the other one is like, what's the sound of one hand clapping? It causes a breakdown between the two halves of the brain and, and, and something else can appear at that moment. So... Um, in a way, the phrase, I am that I am, is like that. 
you can't quite put your finger on it. Karen Armstrong, in her book about, um, I think it's called The History of God, uh, she was trying to give her take on, on what she thought I am that I am means. And she said, well, when, go, when Moses said, uh, who art thou, Lord? And the voice said, I am that I am. It was, it was saying, mind your own business. Well, I thought that was a bit of a letdown, actually. I mean, <laughs> it, it, a cop-out, as it were. Because really, to me, one thing that we all know is that we exist. To me, consciousness is awareness of awareness. It's got nothing to do with words. It's that which is there before the language begins. It was there in us as children. And a Christ would be someone who had that developed to the, to the full throughout his life. As he ages as a person, it just grows alongside. And there's no disparity between the human and the divine. So, where is I am that I am? Well, the first thing that grows in an embryo it's one cell that becomes the medulla oblongata eventually at the back of the neck. And out of that grows the spinal column and the brain stem. And then the brain and the, the body grows around that. So the central thing in the human being is the spine. And the whole, and I talk about this in the, uh, in the uh, closing chapters of The Power of I Am, that I am, the metaphysical understanding of the whole Moses experience is that, you know, Moses sees this light on this mountain and he goes up to see what it is. So it's, that's a, a, a metaphor for going up in consciousness. So he goes up in consciousness and, and he sees this, this tree, this bush that is alive with a fire that doesn't burn it. Well, what happens is he goes up in consciousness and his personality kind of goes passive and his consciousness goes in, inward, and he sees within himself the tree of life, which is the spine and the brain. And it's lit up with this divine light, with this divine fire that doesn't consume it. So what's left of Moses' self-identity at that moment says to this inner presence, who art thou, Lord? And it says, I am that I am. I am that I am. And what what happens is after you've been told you have to go back to Egypt and say let my people go, Moses again the person comes afraid. Who am I that the people will listen to me? And the voice says, "You shall say, I am that I am has sent me unto you." So this is the reality and the process for all of us. I am that I am. This divine light and this divine fire is constantly awake in the spine and the brain. But we don't see it because it's covered up with our material consciousness and our self-concept and the, the limitations of just having grown up in this three-dimensional world. We lose that connection with that inner divine reality. And what happens when we start to wake up spiritually is that that spinal column begins to vibrate as if a tuning fork has been struck and the divine inner radiance, which is at the core of our being, begins to become active in our lives and gradually it can transform everything about us it's a, an opening from the within that magnetizes and and as it will glorifies the personal expression because you know Moses wasn't the same guy when he came down the mountain as the guy who went up there and and, and you are not the same person that you were after you'd had your spiritual awakening neither was I okay so what what I have made my life process is a process of interiorization so I can feel. It's what Emily calls a column of calm running right from her head, right down through her back, right down to uh, the lower part of her body. It's this solid root within herself, this rod, this staff. You know, it says, thy rod and thy staff will comfort me. What does it mean? It's this. It's this inner vibratory power that's emanating from the spine. So the trick is to have that solidity within oneself that absolute sense of this divine power, which is the source of one's being, and then develop the personality structure, line up the mind, the emotions, the body, the health, the vitality, the aliveness, the psychological perspicacity, uh, pure emotional health, everything that a human being should have, so that that divine center of ourselves can manifest, stream out into the world through us, unobstructed by anything. Because as Yogananda said, God manifests best through a sound body, mind, and psychology. A balanced person. It's very important we balance ourselves as people 
but with the idea that we're doing this for God. We're doing this for the God within so that he can stream out through us into the world. And that way, the person becomes glorified as well. I'm not one of these spiritual people who rejects the person, the personal aspect. It has to be embraced and developed to its highest potential so that the divine can manifest through that in the world as perfectly as possible. Yeah, I, I feel that as well. I know there was a time in my life that I thought I was pursuing to be something, um, you know, other or in addition to, to me. Um, and yet, through the years, I've come to understand uh, that the more I awaken to the I am within me, the yes. more I really love and embrace my humanity, yes, my realness, exactly. my, my depth. And, um, mm-hmm. and, and I, I love that about your teaching because I, I think that that, I mean, it just resonates. And well, this is so what true. I got from this is what I got from Jung, because prior to encountering Jung in in my life, I'd spent three and a half years meditating, and I was trying to be pure spirit on earth. The idea that had got into my my skull was that if you can just bring in light in, enough light, all the darkness will disappear in my psychology and so forth, which is not, of course, uh, is not what's going to happen because we're, uh, everything in this world is a, is a mixture of darkness and light, of positive and negative and so forth. And you, you've probably seen these um, spiritual people who float around on a perfume cloud. Um, <laughs> I, love that, I love that thing that Jesus said, why do you call me good? You know, there's none the good but the Father. In other words, it's the divine within us which is beyond duality. That's the source of the goodness. And then we have to take responsibility for what Jung calls the shadow side of ourselves and balance that with the bright side of our personality, which can have a tendency to get an inflation complex and become a spiritual egotist and so forth. So there's a lot of work to be done on the human level. But when one successfully undertakes and accomplishes a certain degree of, of work on in, on in this area of spiritual growth, what happens is that the, the pattern that is encoded in yourselves to be the perfect manifestation of God as temple, or as John Maxwell, or as anyone else, it starts to manifest in a very, very rich way. And I, you know... Uh, Good old Errol Flynn, you know, he became a bit of a joke in Hollywood and everything because of his life, you know, a bit of a hedonist and everything. But he said a very cool thing. He said, I'm a, I'm a flash of color in a drab world. And, you know, mm-hmm. everything is so damped down now. That, uh, a friend and I were, uh, Emily's yoga teacher, we had lunch and we were just driving past the university. We saw all these young people coming out of the, the college, you know, and they just look so depressed and they look so down. Like It's a very confusing world for people. So I feel that, that we spiritual people who are trying to live the spiritual life the way that we are need to be full of vibrancy, full of color, full of spirit, full of energy, not in a way that blows people over and makes them feel comfortable, but that makes us a very real person who can talk to anybody about anything and meet with anybody on any level, a king or a commoner. It shouldn't make any difference. We should be able to blend with anybody that we meet and and have the feeling between us and that other person that we just had an extraordinary moment together. Mm-hmm. And it can be talking about anything, but it's just that. And this is done when essence sees essence, and then the personalities follow that. That's where the truth is, because you're putting things in the right order. God first, person second. Put them together, you've got a divine manifestation of God as a human being. And then you have people like Emily in your life saying that they feel seen uh, for the first time. Yes. That, that is such a, a powerful statement. Um, to really offer that to yes. people. And, and when yes. we talk about being the Christ light or we talk about bringing a, a spiritual connection or we talk about the essence of a namaste, uh, I think that's a true attribute of an amazing person is to totally be present with yes. another human being uh, and really see the, the I amness and let that come shining through because it, it yeah. does. And I think it offers such immense, um, validation, you know, that, um, 
it, it's like nature begins to sing without sounding too fluffy yes, and too woo-woo. No, that's very but nice. I like that. Yes. Thing, you know? no, let's, be, let's be poetic. That was good. Yeah. <laughs> nature, nature begins to sing, yes. And, and what you, you do, you give human nature the scope to experience its divinity too because human nature is also divine. You know, there's been this historical split between what is spiritual and what is human. And if we can put these together in such a way that there's a completion. And I feel that by doing that spirit and nature dancing together, there's a, a great restoration there. You know, the, the, the masculine and feminine come together, heaven and earth come together, the inner and the outer, and so forth. So these are incredible times that we're living in, just that we can have this conversation about things that have been hidden in caves and monasteries in previous centuries. It's just absolutely fantastic. And I'm very, very hopeful about the future of the world. I'm uh, extremely positive and hopeful about the future of my life. I expect things to continue to be as amazing. I've had the life a life beyond my dreams and i've enjoyed the, up, uh, the i've learned to enjoy the downs as well as the ups because you know we 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 progress at a certain point in life by uh, by arising and descending and then get to a certain stage where it all starts to level out and you're not tossed on those waves anymore but i remember a thing that i heard recently that Cecil B. DeMille said, you know, Cecil B. DeMille, the mm-hmm. great film director, he was one of the few people, few people who founded Hollywood. I mean, he was one of the first people to start making movies there. And he said it was so amazing to be pioneering this new industry, this new art form. And we would get so high. It was like being on the ocean and we'd rise up to the crest of this great wave. And then it couldn't maintain itself and we would crash down into the trough and then we'd rise up the next one again. And he said it was terrifying on the descent until I learned to take the light that I caught at the top of the rave and bring it down into the darkness with me. Oh, that's powerful. I think yeah, that I, by itself is a, is a great statement in which we end our, our time together today. Wonderful. Just, <laughs> that is such a beautiful statement. And we just continue to embrace our spirituality. I want to thank you for joining us today, everyone. And please share our show today with your friends and on your social network. Unity Online Radio, the voice for the awakening world. I'm Temple Hayes, and you've joined me today with John Maxwell Taylor. Thank you for being with us. Look forward to our next time. Thank you for tuning in to From Good to Amazing with Reverend Temple Hayes. Join us every Monday at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern for more tools to move your life from good to amazing. This program is brought to you in part by Temple Hayes Ministries online at www.templehays.org and First Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida. Online at www.unitycampus.org. think you know all you want to know about the characters in the Bible? Do you know who could be called the king who loved too much? Or what it means to be a Jezebel? Or that the best love story in the Bible begins with the declared commitment of two women? The Bible's symbolic meaning can help you transform your life and discover the presence and power of God within you. Find out what these characters can teach you about your own life today by tuning into Biblical Power for Your Life. Each week, co-hosts Reverends Karen Tudor and E.J. Niles present a Bible character from a historical, cultural, psychological, and symbolic perspective. Your comments and questions are part of this lively discussion. Tune in every Thursday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, and power up your life only at Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. Take a moment now to reflect on this message from Daily Word. Is something in your life causing you concern? Don't be discouraged. The presence of God is peace and harmony, healing and creative ideas, is with you every moment of every day, providing the help you need. In quiet moments of prayer, 
Let go of any concern. Anchor your trust deep in the realization that with God all things are possible. Never doubt it for a single moment. You are a spiritual being, blessed with all that you need for happiness and fulfillment. God's wisdom will guide you. God's strength will help you do all that you need to do. And God's joy will lighten your heart with hope and courage. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. You've seen reality TV. Well, now get ready for reality radio. It's raw, unpredictable, and completely unscripted. You Can Heal Your Life follows the lives of four people each season as they face their fears and overcome their challenges. Tune in weekly and follow along as they take each faithful step on their journey. Learn what it takes to really heal your life. Dr. Chris Michaels shows you how to expect specific and measurable results from prayer. He says, We must place a demand upon consciousness. We don't hope to get what we pray for. We expect it. As a 25-year veteran in the New Thought Movement, Dr. Chris has helped thousands of people find their way to success and healing. His faith is unshakable, and his commitment to helping others heal through the power of prayer is extraordinary. Don't miss Reality Radio, You Can Heal Your Life, with Dr. Chris Michaels. Live, Mondays at 11 a.m. Central Time on Unity Online Radio. Life is hard, and sometimes you need a little help and guidance. I'm Laura West, host of a Guided Life podcast, and I believe that help is all around us. We just have to ask for it. The universe has a way of guiding us forward with the help of our past loved ones, angels, spirit guides, and ascended masters. On the podcast, I love to explore these ideas with incredible guests and let people know that they are never alone. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you can join me on this journey. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm network and wherever you get your podcasts.